three, two, one. Well, that was a clap. <laughs> that was the longest pause ever. <coughs> it was an applause entirely. Uh, uh, doddle, doddle, doddle. I'm Ryan Resentful of Pauses McKenna. I'm Harland Tiger the Lion Grant. And we are the Doddlers. Welcome to Doddlers Philosophy Podcast Shorts. You ask like you don't, you're like, hey, where am I? Is this shorts or is this a regular one? Might might I say to the folks out there, ha- Happy New Year, because this is after, I think. <laughs> or if not, you still can say Happy New Year. It's going to be tricky for us general semanticists because now in the new year, we're going to have to always remember to say America 2019 all of a sudden now. Mm. I've been saying America 2018 reflexively and repeatedly for quite a while. Yeah, you general semanticists have a big meeting, I bet, that's that has to happen. Where you're like, okay, everybody, it's science 2019 now. Get together and sit around a table and everybody's got a bunch of little spitballs. And as we talk, anybody who fucks it up, they just get blasted. Train it in there to the nervous system. You know, it's all about... <laughs> What the hell are we talking about this for? I don't care. I'm old now. I'm just older. I'm always... Well, anyway, Harland, what is... What's your take? Speaking of getting a year older, what's your take on mortality? I hate it. <laughs> to harken back to another episode. I know. <laughs> mortality disturbs me quite significantly. I am one of those people who has been... For a while and hasn't got over it yet. I think I would be comfortable using the word terrified uh, of death. Not looking forward to it. I'm convinced enough that there's nothing coming afterwards. And convinced enough that even though what's going on here is pretty bad. Pretty much sucks a lot of the time. There's also some interesting things and some good things, and anything's better than nothing, I sometimes feel. And I'm not looking forward to there being nothing. Then you've got the old, well, it'll just be the same as it was before you were born, and that didn't bother you. I always like that little meme. It doesn't quite get into my emotions, though. Reasonably, that sounds good, and that ought help me be less concerned but it doesn't really so what I usually do when the topic of mortality comes up is just be resistant I might if I had to say what's my take on mortality the most general version of the answer would involve that I think that it's a health problem. It's a disease. It's a sickness. And everyone has it. 
and it should be one of human humanity's primary projects to fix it. I don't see why inherently we cannot be immortal, whether that involved going into the genes and repairing the telomeric damage or whatever the hell you guys do, whatever's going on in there and in the gerontology labs. Go ahead and fix aging or go ahead and develop your supercomputer so I can quote-unquote download my consciousness in there. I'll take that route. Make another body and put my brain in it. Like get out or whatever. I don't care. I want to have psychological continuity. I'm not ready to go anywhere. And I don't think I should have to. But we don't seem to spend as a race on Earth 2019 (laughs) enough energy fixing things like aging and mortality. Mm. But there are people who uh, that is their cause, right? There are people that that is their cause. The, for whatever reason, I don't know enough about it to know if this person is warrantedly the big name, but who, the person who succeeded is this Aubrey de Grey fellow everyone always mentions when we talk about that. And there has been since at least the 60s, and I don't know the history of gerontology and age resistance, a movement to try to figure out how to slow down, reduce aging. Yeah. Like I was saying, as though it were another malady, another health problem that we could just find a way to cure. I don't see why not. You know, it's funny. I wish I knew more as well about this subject. Um, I know that there's research into it. It's one of those things where when scientists do research on a topic, you know, they kind of just sort of follow their nose. And so sometimes we don't make progress on you know, the one goal because we went down a path that was just bearing fruit, you know, and we're like, oh, what's this, you know, and just go down that path. And, you know, maybe it doesn't solve your direct question, you know, or anything like that. But, uh, and so there's sort of a lot of tendrils out there. There's not, there's not one, you know, a ramrod or whatever that's just going to blast through that door, you know, and just, you know, or hit the ceiling or break through the ceiling, whatever the phrase is, you know what I mean? And uh, give all, barring any accidents, long lifespans or whatever, you know, super long lifespans that they're essentially immortal. Right. At least not in sight right now, apparently. So just throw me in a cryo chamber and I'll fix it later. (laughs) But I mean, what is that? Does that little does that do anything for you to con- try to conceive of it or use a rhetoric of, look, humanity, there is a mortal illness that literally everyone has. Is that not motivation enough for you guys to invest in research to try to minimize, if not reverse, aging? I don't know. I mean, I I wonder if there's um. If we're not yet past whatever trade-offs might exist, you know, that we understand to be trade-offs. So, for instance, you know, having some kind of programmed cell death or death in general, right? So reaching a certain age limit may allow for the lineage itself to continue on. And if you went immortal, then, well, you wouldn't have, there wouldn't be any real, like, biological anyway, imperative to reproduce. 
And so you wouldn't have to, you wouldn't necessarily really have to plan or replace yourself or whatever. Um, but then at the same time, the issue might be then that you kind of put yourself in kind of a vulnerable, vulnerable position potentially at the outset when you first become kind of immortal. Because what if something comes along and wipes you guys out or whatever, you know, then, then, you know, you don't have that if you don't have reproduction, you know, or something like that as a, as a, um, important thing in your, you know, uh, philosophy of life or whatever, then, you know, it's hard to say, but then I don't know. I mean, it's just one of those weird ones. And I think there's also a trade-off between the telomeres and cancer, you know, I think there's some kind of trade-off between those two things. You know, and then there's lots of people who've talked about uh, the science of aging, senescence. There's a few ideas out there. I don't really know them by heart anymore. I used to know them because I found one of them in particular quite fascinating. It was essentially the idea, this idea by a guy who was a doctor, but he was also a popular science writer named Peter Medawar. And this was probably in the 20th century, mostly when, you know... It, the mid-20th century is what I meant to say, when he did most of his work, especially popularizing science. He had this idea that uh, <clears throat> when you reach reproductive maturity or whatever, there's all of a sudden this like almost like a, a curtain that you pass through or whatever, like a veil of some kind. You've made it, you've reproduced, so now like there's nothing to select for you to keep living. You know, so any like deleterious mutations that would have arisen that... Um, killed babies and offspring or whatever would have done that. But then those that didn't end up having a whole, you know, bunch of mutations would have naturally been, you know, continuing on. So then you would end up having still, you know, you'd have this beginning phase where you reach reproductive maturity and there's no problem there. Not too many deleterious mutations that are going to cause too much havoc in an off in an organism as it's, you know, developing. And then once it, reproduces then after that you don't really need anything anymore or you're not really needed anymore as long as you've reproduced and you know there's less pressure on whether or not you have some kind of deleterious mutation that would perhaps cause something like cancer or some other disease or whatever mm -hmm. so there's that and all that but yeah i like that one and it makes sense and that's a way to explain why we exhibit this phenomenon that we call aging and become progressively more decrepit and fall apart. Because why not? Senescence. But I also would prefer not to be the subject of any biological imperatives. Yeah. Those were just there because they happened to work in this messy, random process at some contingent point in history. I'd rather transcend those if possible. Yeah. My take on it is when I was younger, I was much more upset about death because I hadn't really done anything. And, and I guess I wanted to be able to accomplish certain things. That's always been a primary motivator of my, for myself. Any anxieties that I have have to do with, um, you know, just the sense that I'm just not productive. And, but I've made some decisions in my life, you know, or admitted some things as well. And that has freed me to kind of try and be more productive in the ways that just, you know, are in front of me. So like I, 
admit that I'm never going to be part of some kind of institution. I'm never going to be some kind of academic or whatever, never going to get a PhD, never, you know, like all these things, like to just, you know, for a while there, they were the goals and it did not turn out. I was too much of a doddler. You know, it, it, it's, it's one of those things. But then once I was able to kind of just accept that, like everything kind of changed and then I could just, I was free to just focus on the things I wanted to be doing anyway and use my own voice in, in, working with them and and so I felt much more productive and I've made really large gains in my life with respect to that since and even doing and of course doing this is this is probably hands down the most productive thing I've ever done even more so than a master's thesis and uh, all that kind of stuff I think writing the books will probably be ultimately the most I've just got two books maybe a third that I want to do and I don't even know what venue they would go in. I, I totally am also admitting that probably no, I'm not going to do any kind of publishing in terms of some publisher. It's probably just going to be on Amazon or whatever. And I'm going to hope that, you know, I'll probably just send free copies to the people who I think I'd like to at least have read it, you know, but you know, it's that kind of stuff. So it's like, okay, well then death starts to become less of an issue because now I'm just being productive and just working on things and, and, uh, trying to get things in a position where if I did just suddenly get hit by a bus or whatever, that I, you know, would be able to still have something go out there. You'd be leaving something behind. Yeah. The more you produce, the more secure or comfortable or fulfilled you feel in that were I to die tomorrow and go up to heaven and look down on my (laughs) lifeline, I would see... Well, at least I made a 24-episode podcast before I was gone. (laughs) Totally. Well, but the thing is that I I do have one. I've got two things to say. I'll say the... All right, so the first thing I'll say is that I do have a request, you know, at the pearly gates or, you know, obviously I'm an... I, I mean, what is it? Technically, you're an agnostic, but, you know... When someone pressures you, you're like, I'm an atheist, you know, whatever. But I don't really spend spend a whole lot of time worrying or fretting about that kind of stuff. I think I've not ever really believed in God ever. <laughs> like, it's just not something. I mean, I get what the story is, and I definitely am like, yeah, it's that guy with the white beard, that white man. But, like, uh, it's just not part of my, you know, I just don't care. Those aren't things that interest me. Um, and so... I just never spent a lot of time developing my thoughts around them. That said, if I was given a chance to like, you know, have Clarence, my, my angel come down and grant me a wish, I would say, you know, whatever craziness that could come my way, let it be at least come after my kids are like in their early twenties. That's really, that would be the only thing like, that would be my only request, you know? Just have, let me die after that because I just want to get them up on their feet, moving and out the door. And I don't want to be just, you know, this pall upon their lives of like, yeah, I had this guy was around and then all of a sudden he wasn't, you know, and I don't know why when you're a parent, parent, you go through extremes. <laughs> and one of the extremes I have is there's this guy who was a tight end for the uh, New England Patriots. And I don't know his full story or anything like that, but his name was Aaron Hernandez. 
And he just ended up kind of like murdering people. And he was super paranoid. And he obviously was very successful as a football player. But one of the sort of stories that I, I just caught wind of here and there was that his father died when he was young. And it really fucked him up. And I just don't want that to happen for my kids. You know, I just don't want my son and my daughter to be like just fucking hoodlums, just gangsters, you know, killing people like, you know, or whatever. You know, just I don't want them going down this terrible path or anything. And I don't know. It's an obviously irrational thought or whatever. But, you know, when you're caught up in the emotions, you know, that's kind of what happens. Anyway, the second point that I wanted to make was like the other night, and <laughs> Rebecca probably never listened to this, but my wife, she had a stomach flu because my daughter had it. And for some reason, I never get these things. I don't know if it's because I wash my hands good or if I do all the right things. I don't know. Or if it's just something that doesn't affect me. Like I'm a sinusitis guy or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> like for whatever reason. Anyway, um, but she was like, <laughs> she was vomiting so hard that she passed out. Like she just, she just passed out. Right, and I was trying Jesus to. Jesus like, Christ! I've never done that yet. I was trying to hold her up, and, and she just, and it just, she just co- collapsed like right into her own vomit. It was just like fuck, man. And she was talking about it when it got to its worst. She was just like, "I'm at peace." Like she totally had. The, she literally had the thought, like, "If I die tonight." exploding from the inside you know uh i i you know know my kids are in relatively good hands like these are the extremes like you know you as a parent you know you go through or whatever and she totally was like i'm at peace like it's okay you know like and i'm just like okay like that sucks but still that was sort of the these are the kind of things you think of so in a way i'm not really worried about it as much now than i was before and it would think maybe my priorities are weird because like I'm worried about focusing on my interests or whatever and and you know not my kids or what you know but like the kids have a fallback they still have like my wife and and um extended family and people that are always going to be there for them and they go to you know good schools or whatever that were good teachers anyway uh whereas like I'm the only one who's going to get this some of my ideas out there, you know? And so that's kind of part of it. Anybody can parent those kids up to 20, but your ideas, that's only you. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least I want to get them to a point where someone else can adopt them. Even, you know, whatever. I'm, my idea is not my kids. <laughs> like, all right, you're 15. I'm putting you up for adoption. I'm done. We need to have an orphanage for uh, abandoned ideas. Somewhere, oh. and then they're trying to farm them out to somebody, and nobody wants that one. Or an orphanage for abandoned Patreon supporters. <laughs> this is like old news. <laughs> By the time this comes out, unless some new, you know, information has come to light or whatever. Anyway, these are live, but not live. <laughs> Uh, anyway, but uh, before before we go, I have to share a another meme that I got in my head about mortality. That's I've always found oddly soothing and interesting. And when I tell it to other people, they often like it too. 
I think it was invented by, at least it was presented to me by this old friend as though he came up with it, <clears throat> idea. He used to say, because I have always been angsty about it and we would periodically talk about death. It would come up in our philosophical musings as we wandered around the lakes in uptown Minneapolis. And he would say, I don't care. I'm not worried about being dead. It, The idea of death bothers me precisely as much as the fact that there is a top of my head. And then I would say, what the fuck are you talking about, Tom? Well, you know, Einstein, relativity, whatever. It's uh, space-time and four dimensions and times a dimension. That there is a limitation, a boundary, to my spatial extent in any direction has never caused me very much concern, except when perhaps shopping for jeans. But it's not... It's fine, you know. I have a length, width, and breadth, and that's just fine (laughs) with me. So that I would have a finite extension along the dimension we call time is equally unimpressive and that just is one of the you know it kind of makes you makes you go huh or whatever yeah back to the loaf from the previous short so anyway folks (laughs) i don't want to die all right (laughs) i've got projects and my projects don't get don't grow up to be 20 and get finished. Get finished? Get shorty. Shorts! Take my hand.